Hey, I'm Mary Ellen Dance, licensed mental health counselor and owner of Pittsburgh Therapy. I'm on a mission to strip away the stigmas surrounding therapy and mental health and talk about how we can use the culture of self-improvement for our benefit rather than our demise. I used to think I was doing life all wrong, from getting fired from a dream job to advising clients on relationships while I myself was trying to sort through that dumpster fire. But then I realized my imperfections are what made me a good therapist. So join me on a journey not to be perfect, but to be well, okay-ish. Welcome. Your session has now started. Hello. Happy Monday. Today, I am so excited. I have an awesome guest with me. Her name is Sarah Snyder Castaneda, and she owns the brand Adulting with ADHD. She has a podcast, a website, a blog, an Instagram, and she was diagnosed with ADHD at the age of 34. And since then, she has spent a lot of time researching ADHD, learning about it, talking to other people about ADHD, and she has such good knowledge and she's so fun to talk to. So I'm so excited for you all to listen. So I am so excited to be here today with Sarah, also known as Adulting with ADHD, which I actually love that name. How did you come up with it? Oh, thank you. Yeah, it was just the most natural thing. I I was just, you know, at the time it was just a blog and I'm a marketer by trade. So, you know, I've, I've been working with puns and turns of phrases my whole life. And so it just came to me and it, it stopped. I love it. I love it. So I didn't realize that you started out as a blog. Yeah, I was writing a little bit on the side for a couple of publications. And then I was planning a family, trying to have a kid, and it wasn't happening on my schedule. And so I started a blog to kind of occupy myself. Then I got pregnant. And yeah, I I just I ended up turning it into a podcast because so many people resonated with the blog. And I found out I had a lot more to say. And that's kind of how it turned into a podcast. So it's both. That's amazing. Do you still blog? Oh, gosh, not nearly as often as I wish I could. I I do put out informational type of articles, because I find that that seems to be the biggest need right now is just the research that's out there. And if I had the resources, that's what I would be doing is getting all this information out there. So speaking of that, Yeah. Let's talk for a second about what ADHD is, what it truly is, because I feel like a lot of people hear the word ADHD and they think of like an eight-year-old boy who can't sit still. And it is so much more than that. (laughs) And so how would you describe it? So the easiest way I've come to describe it is it's a difference in brain wiring. So when I talk to people, I say my brain is wired differently. And a lot of it has to do with how my brain regulates dopamine. And a lot of it has to do. And then there's the long, longer definition, but it's, you know, focus, attention, emotional regulation are hard for me. And that's, you know, I try to use language like that instead of, you know, I have ADHD. It's an acronym for, you know, and <laughs> you, you just lose people. Cause like you said, they're, they're already thinking of the little boy running around who needs Ritalin or whatever. Well, and I love that again, the adulting, because there are so many adults with ADHD who maybe they have never been diagnosed or they've never been treated. I am seeing a lot more of an uptick in adults who 
or getting diagnosed for the first time. And it's kind of clicking like, oh my gosh. Yeah. Like looking at things from my childhood, this makes sense that I have this diagnosis. Yes. And that is an extremely painful process. It's an extremely helpful process because once you know what you're dealing with, you can address it. But yeah, there's definitely for anyone who's kind of just learning that about themselves. I know I had a bit of a a mourning period of like grieving what I could have been if I had known all along, you know? Yeah. Wow. Wow. That's so interesting. Okay. So I feel like when talking about ADHD, we obviously have to talk about medication. So before we talk about kind of, you know, how ADHD looks in adults, kids, right? There is this view of, okay, a kid gets, a kid is misbehaving. Let's say they get diagnosed with ADHD, they get put on Ritalin and that's that. And then they're like a zombie of themselves. So I know I have a lot to say about this, but I want to hear what you have to say first. Absolutely. I'll give you my own personal anecdote because I just went through this whole thing with my child. And what I would say is it seems like there's two factions. It seems like there's people who say, you know, be careful. You don't, you don't want her labeled. It, this is coming from the teachers. They just want to drug them so they'll behave. And, you know, there's that faction, right? Mm-hmm. And then the other faction is um, speaking to what I said before, like once, you know, ADHD is a very fixable thing. And this is where I would say the gray area is, is medicine is the, the frontline first thing people go to, but it's not the only thing. And so Depending on what you're dealing with, I'll use myself as an example. I started on medicine as kind of a triage situation, like I'm in crisis, I need to figure this out. But I don't use medicine anymore. And that's just a choice I've made because, you know, I don't enjoy the side effects. I don't like how I feel on the medicine. And I have found ways to handle it naturally. But if medicine helps you live the life that you need to live, I'm all for it with no judgment. Well, and I think to piggyback off of that, I think we think of medicine as like the enemy where it's not. Medicine is helpful. And I say this for all mental health disorders, right? Is medicine the sole thing we should be doing? No. Should we be, you know, getting prescribed one medication and then saying, okay, I'm not going to talk about this again for the next 10 years? Like, no, we need to monitor, we need to explore, we need to learn, we need to educate all of that. But medicine can be a really helpful tool. Maybe not for everyone. Maybe for some people, maybe for a little while, not forever, that type of thing. And it's scary, right? Especially as a parent, it's scary. If if a pediatrician says, I think your 10-year-old should be on Ritalin, that's a scary thing. But I think a huge piece of that is what you're trying to do, what doctors are trying to do, the education around it and what this means and how we can have kind of... um like a a holistic approach to treatment where maybe a piece of it is medicine, but there's lots of other pieces as well. Absolutely. Yeah. And there's also, you know, back to what you're saying, um, you need to talk about it because there is a lot of emotional stuff attached to this, regardless of if you were diagnosed as a child or an adult, there's just a lot of emotional stuff. It gets into your social life. It gets into every aspect of your life. And you need to process that with someone, a trained professional who knows what's going on, you know? Yeah. And I like how you said it's a tool. That's the thing. It's not a cure-all. It's not going to erase the problem. It's a tool to be used smartly. Exactly, exactly. So you kind of already switching gears for a second, you kind of already mentioned this a little bit. But what and for all of our listeners, do not diagnose yourself. (laughs) 
I feel like I say that every episode. I'm like, don't don't diagnose yourself. But what are some of like the most common ADHD symptoms for adults? Yeah. So before I jump in, I just wanted to say there are people who have trouble accessing these professionals to get diagnosed. So I want to acknowledge them as well. But I personally, the idea of someone diagnosing themselves makes me nervous. But I just kind of wanted to put that out there because I know there's a lot of people in our community who are pretty sure they have it or think they have it. And there's a lot of interventions that will work for you regardless of if you've been officially diagnosed or not. But please speak to a professional. (laughs) You know, I always say that at the beginning, this isn't medical advice. Please speak to a professional a hundred times. Yes. But to answer your question, so there's three different types, but there's hyperactive, which is the stereotype we talked about earlier. And then there's inattentive, which is what I have that isn't so obvious. And then there's combined type, which is both. And I would say the textbook stuff is like, you can't focus on one thing. You're interrupting people. You can't sit still. But a lot of the stuff you don't hear much about, it's like, you know, I had a really hard time like making friends and I had a really hard time like, you know, all these things that are kind of when when you deal with years and years of rejection, because you can't really get with the program, if you can't stay focused long enough, you start slowly alienating yourself. And so, you know, there's a lot of things where You might have problems with authority figures because, you know, you might have had a whole history of frustrating them. You may have a hard time keeping a job and it may not, it may be like, it's not because you're not skilled enough. Maybe it's because you're just not blending with your team. You struggle with things like teamwork. You're more of a loner, that kind of stuff. And I don't hear that stuff talked about as much. It's always like, let's just get the kids quiet. Oh, you know, the the loud ones get diagnosed (laughs) first. Let's just give them (laughs) medicine. And then once they shut up, everything's fine. But, you know, what about those girls and boys who are in the back of the classroom and they're doodling and they're they're inattentive or they're combined and they're not they're not meeting the obvious marks? Well, and I love what you said about, like, connecting with others, because if your brain is thinking differently than my brain and my brain is thinking differently than the next person's brain, that can be hard to be productive together and work together and get along. Absolutely. I see it every day. I experience every day, even though I've been through, you know, decades of treatment at this point. It's like, it's a struggle. And that's another common misconception. Once you're diagnosed and once you are treated, uh, the journey continues. There's never a moment where you're like, I figured this out. I can do this. I mean, you know, you find the life that you want and you live it how you want, but you're always going to run into obstacles. And that's just part of it. Well, and I think it's important to recognize that we can manage symptoms, but depending on life circumstances and right, there's different obstacles where maybe it kind of rears its ugly head. (laughs) Yeah, like I'm going through that right now, actually. So I think I learned this in a coaching class. So when you apply, and this is one of those things where everyone can relate to it, but I think it's more pronounced in ADHD people where, you know, if you're already in a very stressful situation, for example, like numbers and money, and you're maybe you're an accountant and you're having a lot of stress, that pressure just adds to the margin of error. I mean, that's not the right word, but like it makes you screw up more. Like if you're already, (laughs) and for me, I need lots of time. I need lots of time to breathe, lots of time to work. And so then when there's people like, oh my gosh, we need this, we need that. It creates more mistakes. And then you have to account for that. And there's so much baggage 
when you've been dealing with that year after year after year and navigating that can be extremely painful, which is why therapists are great because then you need <laughs> you need to process that with someone. You have to work it out. Absolutely. So painful. So I actually had a boyfriend who he had adult ADHD and I didn't really notice it. Like he didn't have any super pronounced symptoms. Um, Most of his symptoms were maintained except forgetfulness. Oh God. Yeah. And when I say forgetfulness, it was, Sarah, it was like something I had never seen before. He would be like telling a story. He would be like, okay, so today I took my dog for a walk outside. And what was I talking about? Like it was that pronounced. And so, so often when we were dating, he would like, you know, if we were in a group of people, he would look at me and be like, what? what was I talking about? Like, it would just go away, which that's like, it just seemed so frustrating to me. I'm like, that must be so annoying to have to deal with. It's extremely annoying. And that's another one of those surprise ones. Like I still to this day get surprised by how things just vanish. They just, they're gone forever. Um, my husband and I were talking and, um, you know, I we're, we're kind of rearranging our banking stuff right now. So there's a lot of administrative stuff we're trying to do. Oh, and so um, oh, yeah. And I was supposed to like move over this really important amount of money to him. And I knew I had to do it. And it was in and out of my head like two or three times. And he's trying not to add to my stress because I'm having like the craziest week of my life. And he um, finally is like, I have to ask again, have you put in the transfer yet? And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm doing it right now as I'm talking to you. But you know, it's it's an issue. It's an issue when information disappears like that. So when you do have supports, when you have really supportive partners who get it and who are patient, um, you know, you may always have that, but it helps when you create systems in place that can support you. Absolutely. Absolutely. But yeah, I like sharing about that story. And, you know, thank you for sharing your stories because it shows the sneaky, the sneaky symptoms that maybe are not the loudest, but are still very difficult to cope with. Yeah. He called it my, my Swiss cheese memory and he said it in a very loving way, which I appreciated. (laughs) I appreciated him acknowledging it instead of like, oh, it's the elephant in the room. Yeah. Sarah can't remember things. We we got to, you know, tiptoe around it. Like, I love that. And that didn't happen immediately. I mean, it took years of frustration and terrible mistakes. And it's a lot of work. It's oh, hard. It is. It is. Now, you had mentioned to me about the relationship between ADHD and hormones. I oh. want to know all about that. Yes, I tell this first thing to any parent or adult ADHD. So, okay, if you menstruate, (laughs) I'm going to try to put it on a bumper sticker. If you get periods, there is a period of time, and I'm not a doctor, please. I'll send you a link to the study after (laughs) we talk. You could drop it in the show notes. I'm not a doctor, but I have come to learn that Right before your period, your estrogen drops. When your estrogen drops, your ADHD medicine may not work. Really? It's a thing and it's real. And it gets crazier because when you hit perimenopause, when you hit menopause, your estrogen drops permanently. So it's no longer like just a few days before your period. It's like permanently your estrogen supply has tanked. This exasperates ADHD symptoms and None of these doctors, I I shouldn't say none of them, but 
Most of these doctors are not talking about this because that information has not filtered down to them, even though there's more than 20 years of research about this. It's not really talked about. It's really been on the patient to kind of bring it up. Holy cow. So right. what's a what's a solution for it? Again, I know you're not a doctor, but from you, you know a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, unfortunately, I, I had to learn all this through trial and error. But yeah, there's a few interventions your doctor can work with you on. So first of all, you can. So there's there's different things you can do with antidepressants. There's supplemental birth control you can take to help level out your hormones. And then um, please don't do any of this on your own. Please, please, please talk to a doctor. And then um, another one that isn't talked about a lot and is not practical for a lot of people is to just plan ahead for that week and just really take it easy. Really (laughs) mark it on your calendar. Try not do your best not to overcommit that week and just be really gentle that week and just really, you know, take care of yourself and take it easy. Oh, I love that. I love that. That's such important information to know. It's, oh my goodness, it's wild how I couldn't be a doctor. Like the amount of things that like affect us and are going on at one time, it's like crazy to think about. (laughs) It's insane. Yeah, it's... So what advice would you give to someone who maybe they're an adult being diagnosed with ADHD for the first time? Maybe they are a parent whose, you know, child is getting tested for ADHD. What is like your one or two biggest pieces of advice? Buckle in for the long game. It's a marathon, not a sprint. We're not cars. So don't be in a hurry to fix us. (laughs) And then the other thing is all the things that you would do for a plant are really good for ADHD. We need sunlight. We need air. We need, um, well, plants don't need exercise. We need exercise. So all those, all those good old healthy things that are so annoying to hear, like water and walks and sunshine, all those things are surprisingly effective. There are also things that for me were extremely hard to do. And so you have to do a little at a time and ease into it and be gentle with yourself. I love that. I love that. And I, I want to add something to it. And I add this just, you know, as a therapist who, you know, with anyone with diagnoses, you know, if we're getting this diagnosis, it doesn't define us. And so often it feels like that. It feels like, oh, this is going to be the kid that's known for ADHD. This is going to be the, you know, adult, whatever it may be. And, and that's really scary. And I think the world itself is getting a lot better with it, but I think we need to remember and support each other and have those support systems that say like, no, it's, it doesn't change anything about you. It's just giving a diagnosis gives us information to help understand you to understand what you need the most. Very, very well put. It's a data point. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like diagnoses are literally just like they help guide the path. That's it. I agree. And that that was a hard lesson to learn because um, you definitely, when you first are diagnosed, you jump in, you're (laughs) hyper-focused. You want to learn all the things. And there's just a lot of information out there, message boards, Twitter, TikTok, and those are all great things for community. And I I rely on them as well, but uh, it it could be a slippery slope and you have to be really careful. Right. Because the worst thing we can do is overwhelm ourselves. And and I'm glad you brought that up because I very much 
you know, talk about how it's important to educate ourselves, but we also don't want to just overwhelm ourselves with information (laughs) that it stresses us out. Like that's not helpful. (laughs) And it has to be the right information and you need to be um, very careful about the information out there. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, um, I also teach at a university and I talk all the time about, you know, peer review journals and what is appropriate information and how TikTok is not a um, reliable source. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So how can people reach you? How can people um, learn more about ADHD from you? Yeah. So my website is adultingwithadhd.com. And then my podcast, it's called the Adulting with ADHD podcast. You can find it wherever you listen to your, you know, your favorite podcast player, wherever podcasts are played. I'm, I'm doing the um, zoning out thing we were just talking about earlier. <laughs> uh, that's another little known thing. When you're put on a spot like that, that's the quickest way to clean out your brain. Just get put on the spot. <laughs> Go ahead. Well, I'm really excited. I'm really thankful that you're here. Before we go, since this is the okayish podcast and we talk about how we're all okayish and it's okay to be okayish, I love to do with guests like an okayish moment of the week, or it could be like the last two weeks. You know, it doesn't have to be exactly the last week. I always have one too. So I can go first if you would like me to. But yeah, I love our okayish moments of the week. Yeah, you know, when you when you um, warned me about this, I immediately knew what I was going to tell you. <laughs> okay, well, I'm so excited to hear what you're going to say. Do you want me to go first or should you go? You, you can go first. Okay, so this week, I have been really stressed and overwhelmed and kind of distracted by my stress. Mm-hmm. And so one morning... I was getting ready for work and I got out of the shower and I did my makeup and, you know, I I put my hair in like a clip. I put on underwear. I put on my pants. I put on a blouse and I like go downstairs, you know, I get my coffee. Everything's normal, right? I get in my car and I'm like, I feel like I'm forgetting something. Like something feels (laughs) off. Sarah, I kid you not. I did not have a bra on. Oh, no. Oh my God. I was like, how in the world do I forget that? Yeah. Thankfully, I caught it while I was in my garage still. But I was like, oh my gosh, I think I need a vacation. I think this is a surefire sign. I need a vacation. Absolutely. Oh my God. That's incredible. Okay. Um, I'm excited for your okay ish moment. Okay. So, as I mentioned earlier, I'm a parent of a kindergartner. And I'm very new to this whole parent involvement thing because we were on lockdown the first couple of years of her school. So this is my first year as like a parent trying to, you know, be involved. (laughs) And so (laughs) it's always fun when I try to do things like that. The hilarity always ensues. And so (laughs) this time I volunteered to make, we're doing a fundraiser and the theme, um, it's kind of themed around sunshine. And so I had this kind of like a thermometer so that you could show the fundraising goal. And I had a big sun painted on a tall board yeah. and the sun, the sun was wearing sunglasses. I have since named him Mr. Ray. And so. Adorable. I, I, yeah. Thank you. So I worked on Mr. Ray very, very hard. And when I had Mr. Ray ready, I, I had my husband take Mr. Ray to school. And this was a few weeks ago. Well, that whole thing, like the whole Swiss cheese memory, I never really followed up with like 
the rest of the team, like, when does Mr. Rain need to be brought out and put on display? You know, like, and, and, it, and it was one of those things, just like that lump sum of money. It kept going in and out of my head all day, but I never really acted on it. And so fast forward to yesterday. Um, yesterday was the event where the display needed to be. And this is the, like I said, this is the busiest. I'm, I'm kind of on the same wavelength as you. I mean, I'm having the busiest, most stressful week I've had in a very long time. And so I'm sitting there trying to work. And suddenly I decide now's the time to find out what to do with Mr. Ray. <laughs> and every, all the other parents are at the school and they're, they're prepping the pizza and they're having a pizza party. I'm at my desk. And so I message them. I'm like, oh, so um, what should I do with that Mr. Ray thing I made, or the sunshine thing I made? And they're like, first of all, I had only painted it up to 25% because when I made it, they were at 25% of goal. Well, now they're at 45% of the goal, which is what reminded me. And I was like, oh, I'm supposed to do that, right? So I'm, this is me. I, I, I stop what I'm doing. And I didn't have to do this, but I worked so hard on Mr. Ray. Yeah. I stopped what I was doing. I had a little jar of paint and a paintbrush, jumped into the car, drove straight to the school pulled out the board and just started painting on the spot outside. So I'm like painting the thermometer and I've got Mr. Ray out there and it's become like, it's more than about Mr. Ray at this point. It's like personal. It's like, Oh gosh, you know, I have to do this right. Or I'm a terrible person, you know, and you start like all those messages start coming to you. Like, you know, you're not good enough, you know, and I'm, and, and it's also ridiculous. Like, And as I'm driving home, I'm like, ah, that's such a relief. But when did my life get so crazy that that that's the thing that like sets me off? That's the thing that is going <laughs> to, you know, bring me down is like this, this silly little display. It's funny like, how that works, isn't it? Yeah. I, also, I also love that you like stopped your work day to go to the school to paint. I just I'm like picturing that in my head. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. All these people are waiting on like really intense reports and I'm in marketing. So everybody's like, asking for everything and it's super intense. I take a little arts and crafts break to paint <laughs> a piece of wood. Hey, <laughs> we do what we gotta do. I wanted the street cred, you know? It's like, I worked hard on this. I need people to see it, you know? <laughs> I get that, I get that. I, I understand needing the street cred. <laughs> All right, Sarah, thank you so much for being with us. Again, you can find Sarah, any adulting with ADHD, the podcast, the website on Instagram. So thanks so much for being with us. And I will talk to all of you next week. Please follow me wherever you're listening to this podcast and on Instagram at okayish podcast. Also, I would love it if you could rate the podcast and leave a review. The best way to get in contact with me is to go to okayishpodcast.com and submit a comment question. You can do it anonymously too, which is so great. I will see you guys next Monday. I can't wait.